There is an awakening that occurs when you find where you belong. We are the army rising up, the wild ones, outspoken for the sake of the one who spoke life into us. We are the spark that ignites a flame, called and therefore qualified, empowered to create atmospheres. So breathe in. Is there still an American youth who can arise and turn the tide of history in America? To raise up an answer to the rebellion, we need another kind of a revolution. Now it's our time. We are the face of a generation ready to rise up. We're strong, the tip of the iceberg, standing on the shoulders of those that pave the way. We are the ones who change the world. We are revolution. All right, here we go. Let's invite Holy Spirit in just real quick even more. If you guys are done passing the buckets, let's pray. So let's bow our heads real quick and let's get started. And I got some, uh, some stories to tell you. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your love. Jesus, thank you so much for demonstrating that love on the cross that you would willingly lay your life down just so we have the ability and the option to get to know you. So Lord, we love and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so that, that condo I told you guys about last week with God just opening up crazy doors, we moved in this weekend, so please give the Lord a round of applause. Oh, I feel accomplished and tired at the same time. So I've got a couple stories to tell you. So my daughter Cadence, if you don't know her, she's about two She's like 26 months. No, she's like two years and like four months or something like that. And she's very, very smart for her age. If you've ever met my daughter, she doesn't act like a two-year-old. She acts like a teenager. It's ridiculous. So when we were moving, there was something sharp that I didn't want her to touch, and she kept like trying to touch it. And so instead of being like the parent that's like, hey, cut it out, I was like, Cadence, you're a good listener. I don't want you to touch this. It can hurt your hand. And so she'd look at me and be like, I'm like, sweetie, I love your strong will. You're going to be a great leader when you get older, but don't touch it. You're a good listener. So I'm like, hey, sweetheart, don't touch it. And she goes like this. She points, looks at me, smack right across my face. I was like, oh, we're going to fight. Like, it's a problem. I'm about to fight a two-year-old. Like, what's happening? Like, it's the first time that I've been like, Lord, you really need to hold me back. Like, we're going to fight real quick. But I'm seeing, like, Cadence, after I stopped getting the tears out of my eyes, I'm like, Cadence, you don't hit that. Like, don't do that. Like, she literally just, bow, and then touched it. I was like, okay, this is a problem. So instead of telling her how bad she was, I was like, Cadence, this is not who you are. You don't hit daddy because daddy going to fight. And I'm getting like, you don't hit dad. Like, that's not who you are. You're a loving, gentle, caring individual. Another story, you went to a football game, and you know how like some of the bleachers, they've got like the little slots on the bottom, so like you sit here, your feet go down, and like in the back, and there's like a, there's sometimes like an open hole like this, and I'm at a football game, I'm like, hey, Cadence, sweetie, don't go too far, daddy can't reach you in case you fall. She takes a step over, <laughs> like, you know you're about to go ghetto when you clap talk, you know what I'm talking about, we're like, Cadence, what are you doing? Like when you like enunciate through clapping, I was like, Cadence, quit. And she just, 
Baby, you have some strong will. You're going to be a great leader. You're going to be a great leader. She takes one more step, and she falls through that little gap. Just one of her legs. Her whole body can't get through there. But one of her legs falls through. I'm like, oh, God. Like, no. Like, Cadence, just listen, please. Like, what are you thinking? At this point, like, I had lost it. I'm like, you could have died. Like, what are you doing? And she's like, Daddy, I hurt my leg. I'm like, I know. You almost died. Like, come on. Like, it's just in this moment where, like, I just wanted to control the situation so bad because I knew she could get hurt. But the reality is, is that control is just an illusion. It's not an actual thing. You see, control most of the time is driven by some sort of fear. Whether we're fearful of what someone else can do, fearful of what someone's choices might cause, like, fear usually drives us to take control. Like oftentimes we think that like we're in control of things, but when I think of that, I think of like a video game controller. That like when I press a button, something on that TV is gonna happen. But life doesn't work that way. I'm not actually controlling people or controlling my daughter. I think I am. I'm actually just driven by fear. And sometimes when we have relationships with friends or maybe a dating relationship, or with our parents, oftentimes when we try to control things, it's because we're actually driven by fear. Prime example, when your friends are wanting you to do something that you know you shouldn't do, you instantly try to take control of a situation and be like, no, 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 like we need to do this instead. Instead of just going like, I don't actually have to make that decision. Like you try to control all of your friends to do something else. When in reality, you're just responsible for you. And that's what Holy Spirit does. And we'll get into that verse in a second. But like oftentimes, I look at my life and I realize that a lot of my relationships sometimes are slightly driven by fear. Like have you ever tried to give someone advice, but it was like the advice of like, you better listen or I'm going to slap you. Like, like prime example, my sister was doing something really, really dumb like a month ago. I'm like, Andrea. Ghetto hand clap, like in one of those moments. Andrea, you make that decision. It's probably the dumbest decision you can make in this next month. Like I'm trying to control or manipulate her thought process based on my aggression and my fear that if she makes this choice, this bad thing can happen. So instead of that trusting God that his faithfulness, his goodness, and his love is more powerful than the fear that I have, I try to control her and make her make a different Decision. Does this start ringing any bells for you of like maybe what you try to do with your parents when they ask you to do something but you try to manipulate it so you can get what you actually want? Because the fear is you're missing out on something that's taking place right now. I remember as a high schooler, my friends, we used to have like these, this, this kid had an amazing house. Like full basketball court, a tennis court. Why would you need a tennis court in, the, in your backyard? I don't know. Like a tennis court, a pool. Like it was just amazing. It was super fun. And there was this party that was happening that night, and I knew there was going to be alcohol there. And I'm like, I probably shouldn't go. So I'm like, hey, guys, let's just cancel the party. Like, manipulating, like, hey, no, you don't need to do that. Like, trying to put my beliefs on somebody else that actually didn't believe what I believed. So I'm trying to manipulate this person. And I remember God just saying, so why don't you just stay home? Well, no, because I don't want my friends. No, you're, you're fearful. Why don't you just stay home? But I don't want to be the person that's in the out. Like, I want to be with my friends. I don't want my friends to think I'm weird because I'm a Christian and I actually live up to what I say. Okay, but I'm proud of you. 
So I remember sitting at home and getting text after text. Bro, where you at? This party's dope. Where you at? Where you at? I'm at home with my mom. Like, <laughs> like that didn't feel awesome to do. But you know what started to happen? Some of my friends started catching on and realizing whatever he believes is strong enough for him to stay home during this stuff. So we want to get to know the God that he actually served. You see, perfect love actually drives out and obliterates fear in your life. Let's look at um, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 says this. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. When I'm reading this scripture, I'm just realizing that like, just control is an allusion to, what, to like real power. Does that make sense? Like that oftentimes we think if we control something, if we can control it, we have the power to change it. When the reality is, is that when I said yes to Jesus and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, he gave me power, love, and self-control. Like these are three crucial things that you need to know to walk with the Lord. Is that when there's bad situations going on, you don't have to try to control them. You can pray a powerful prayer and change it. Like, that's what Holy Spirit does. He gives you the ability to change something without manipulating it. Like, have you ever told a story maybe and like 70% of it was truth and that last 30% you're like, I'm going to make it epic. Like, instead of like, yo, I healed a, the Lord used me to heal a guy of a cold. You're like, yo, the Lord healed me, used me to heal someone who was dead on the street. Like, you just like randomly like up the ante. It's because you want to control how people actually think of you. I remember a prime example of this. When Cadence, when I was telling the story, when Cadence touched that thing and when she fell down, do you know what actually was driving me to, to, to kind of be frustrated with her? Was the fear of what people thought of me. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. It does when you're a parent. If you show up and your kid got cuts on their arms or something, people will be like, yo, what's she doing with your kid? Like, if you show up and your kid is injured, instantly, it's just humanity. But a lot of people think like, why weren't you watching your kid? So instantly, my motivation was a fear that people would think less of me as a father. Like when you start looking at the root of decisions that you make, there's a fear that is driving that decision most of the time. If it makes you feel like you have to control something, there is a fear that is making you, is, is saying, hey, if you don't control this, this could happen. Prime example, how, has anybody ever just felt like you didn't fit in? Right? I'm going to raise my hand. Like, I didn't even fit in in my college, like my Christian college. <laughs> like, like, a lot of times, we try to control a situation so people don't actually think differently about us. Like, that's called just being a people pleaser. And what happens is, like, if you see a group of people who are hanging out and maybe you didn't get invited to something, what ends up happening is you try to control the situation and you make maybe them feel bad because they didn't invite you or that you're not there. So what ends up happening is you have a fear of being left out. There is a fear that is driving you to try to control a situation every time. A lot of the times we say, no, it's just because I love them. But doesn't perfect love cast out fear? So if there's a fear of something and you're trying to control a situation, the Lord probably needs to show you his love to obliterate that. I love that scripture that says perfect love cast out fear. When you study that word cast, it's not like you're picking something up and being like, eh. 
Like, you're taking something and you're throwing it as far as you can so you never see it again. Or it can be an obliteration of whatever's there. So when he says, perfect love casts out fear, I think of the Lord obliterating fear and increasing my capacity to know his love. Like, that's what he's doing in those moments. It's, it's saying, God, this is what I'm fearful of. I'm fearful that people think differently differently than me. I'm fearful that people will look at me differently. I'm trying to control this dating relationship because I don't want to be left alone. I have so many friends that are dating people right now. They know, they're like, dude, I got to break up with her. Or she'll be like, hey, I got to break up with them. A month goes by. Have you broken up with them yet? No, it's just really hard. and I think I can change them. Okay. A month goes by. Have you done it yet? No, I just feel like I can really control the situation. I'm like, you're the worst. Like, you are destroying that person and yourself because control is just an allusion to actual power, to love, and self-control because the only way that you can control yourself is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, so what they're trying to do actually is manipulate a situation to work in their advantage when that's not God's best for them. The great thing about God is that he gives us free will. He gives us the ability to choose. Like right now, I could choose to slap Brandon in the face right now, as hard as I wanted to. I could do that. Or I could choose not to. Did the devil tell me to slap Brandon? No. Ignorance would say to slap Brandon, right? So a lot of the times when we start feeling that fear, that wanting to control situations, God gives you options. And he just says, why don't you choose? So maybe like in trying to manipulate someone to do something, you choose to just love them and not force them to do anything. Like with Cadence, it was so hard when she was touching things that I knew could hurt her to not just be like, what are you doing? Like, why do you hate me? Kind of a thing. Like, like it, it's hard to not do sometimes, but like, you know what's better than telling her that she's wrong and that she's doing things wrong? It's to tell her who she actually is. See, the Holy Spirit with self-control convicts you of your righteousness and who you actually are. He doesn't go like, oh, I'm sorry, like, like, Mark, you're just a terrible sinner when no one's looking at you. Like, Holy Spirit doesn't do that. You know, what he does to, you know what he does to Mark? He goes, hey, Mark, I know you did that, but you're so much better than that. You're my son, like, and I love you through it. You know what Mark has? A choice to believe that or not to believe that. He has a choice to, when that thing arises again, to choose that or to not choose that. That's how good God is. He gives you the ability to choose fear or love. Because if you choose fear, then you're going to try to control. If you choose love, that means you trust God. Right? A lot of controlling situations are driven out of fear, which is driven out of distrust. Like we have to be a people of love. I was talking to some of my middle schoolers up in this table first service. I'm going to tell you right now, those of us that are in here, students, listen up. You have the ability to actually change your school radically if you choose that. Here's the reason why. I'm sitting next to a sixth grader, and we're talking. And he goes, hey, um, something I was, I was thinking of was that, like, like, when you start talking about, like, perfect love cast out fear and things like that, this was his response. Sixth graders, so anybody that thinks sixth graders can't do anything, they're actually really smart. He goes like this. He literally goes, you know, what I realized is that I've been trying to change my friends, but I haven't let the love of God obliterate this fear in my life, so I have no place to tell my friends that the love of God changes people. A sixth grader. I was like, you want to preach next service? Or <laughs> like, Think about that. 
Think about this with me. So if you're thinking about like that, you really struggle with having to please people or be in the in crowd, how can you tell somebody wholeheartedly that the love of God drives out fear when it comes to that if you're not letting the love of God drive out fear in you? Like sometimes the reality is like, we need to let the love of the Father change us before we try to help somebody else. Like there is fear everywhere. Look at the news. Look at schools. I went and spoke at a youth conference one time, and I had to walk, literally walk through like security, like a wand and take out my backpack and take my shoes off. Like fear is everywhere. And that's why God wants to share his love through you if you just give up control and realize like, hey, I don't have to control anything. I just have to trust God. Like it's so much easier to live a life that way. And like that's, that's, that's the case in point is like we have the ability to choose fear or to choose love. Like right now, half of you look like you're thinking of a situation where you can actually choose love or fear. Fear says choose me. Love says I obliterate fear. Like it's so much easier when that love gets hit in you to give it away. Like for me, with that, that fear of like self-image, which I thought... Dude, I'm 25, I have a car payment, I have rent payment, I've got a wife, I've got a kid. Like, I don't have time for self-image stuff. Like, I just don't care. But it may not be like how I look or how I sound, but I didn't realize it was how I parent. You see, sometimes like when we start looking at things under a magnifying glass, we start seeing things the way the father sees them and he goes, hey, you're actually doing that out of fear. Let me show you my love in that situation. Maybe it's like you think your parents are going to go through a divorce, so you're trying to manipulate the situation and control it. Or maybe it's like you have a sick relative and you're trying to control that sickness. Or maybe it's because you just have never felt like you were in the in crowd, and so you're trying to control that friend group. Like maybe it's just saying, God, here's my fear. Would you give me love in return? Because if perfect love actually casts out fear, if it drives it out, I'm going to make him prove that to me. I'm going to say, here's my fear, where's your love? And he always shows up 100% of the time. So we've got two questions. Can we throw those up? Here's what I want you guys to do at your tables, with your table leader. We have about 10 to 12 minutes max. The first question is this, who or what am I trying to control? So what I want you to identify, I want you to be like, I'm just trying to control my whole life. Like, pick one thing. I'm trying to control this friendship. I'm trying to control this situation. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And what I want you to do is I want you to write that down on your paper, then answer question number two. And I want you to share these things with your group. Next question. What is behind that, what is behind that desire to control? So rephrasing this, what fear is behind me controlling that situation or trying to control that person. Because control is just an illusion. It's not a reality. So what is behind that desire that is causing fear for me to try to control that? Does that make sense? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to be vulnerable and share with your friends and share with your table. Because when we get into worship and ministry, we're going to give that fear to the Lord and watch his love radically change who we are. So let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your love. God, I thank you for highlighting things that you want to take care of for us, that you want to drive these things out. No matter what situation, whether it's fear 
of ending a relationship, starting a relationship, manipulating a relationship, Father, that your love would radically change how we see things and how we see ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. We are the ones who change the world. We are revolution.